Exceeding Expectations, episode 48. Welcome to the podcast where we aim to give you ideas to give your customers a fantastic experience where they're so delighted with working with you, you just get the best reviews, uh, referrals, recommendations, and life just becomes a, a joy. If you do enjoy this week's episode, which is with Rob and Kennedy, a couple of marketing experts, please do share the episode with people you know who you think may get particular value out of some of the uh, some of the gems that you're going to hear. Also, why not leave a review for us on iTunes, Stitcher, all those other you know all the other uh, podcast platforms, and you can join the Facebook group Exceeding Expectations. Go in there, start a topic start a conversation tell us about any guests you'd like to hear interviewed on this show and right now it is time for this week's episode 48 with rob and kennedy here we are with another episode of exceeding expectations and this week we have two guests we have rob and kennedy how are you doing guys doing fantastic well. thank you so much tony it's good to see you and uh, you're up in uh, in sunny Newcastle. And it is. It is sunny. I'll be deck chair out and everything. We can see it through the frosted windows. <laughs> so what is it? What is it? You two guys do? Uh, I'm Rob. I'm a comedy stage hypnotist. Have been for like the last last sixteen years, uh, traveling around all over the place performing a comedy hypnosis show. Uh, this is Kennedy. Hello. And he is a mind reader. Yes. And I'm now going to talk about you in this awkward fashion. Off Are you, you doing the third person? That's nice. So basically, yeah, I'm Kennedy. I've been doing this comedy mind reading thing at conferences and stuff around the world which is very nice uh, for about 16 years as well and accidentally ended up basically I spent a lot of time a bit like Rob I spent a lot of time in departure lounges waiting to get on planes or in hotels once I got to a destination between shows because basically in this game you end up spending way more time preparing for shows and waiting to do shows or recovering from shows than you actually do on stage. Sometimes you'll travel for 20 hours to do an hour-long show. Like, there's loads of sitting around. Yeah, loads of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of spare time. And we independently, we've been friends for quite a long time, but we independently, not knowing each other in this way, we, knew, we actually started doing online marketing and started online businesses. And that's kind of how all this sort of came together. I and mean, we got quite good at the marketing bit. Yeah, and it was always just all about delivering the best service that we can in a way that's quirky and cool and friendly, and people sort of talk about that, and that has a sort of viral effect. So that's what we did really was to sort of build on the thing we were doing all the time. You know, on stage, ultimately, you are trading your time for money, and we love mm-hmm. doing that. It's a passion. I can't ever see a situation where either of us will stop doing that. Yeah. But we wanted to take what we did on stage and then leverage that in order to, to build an online business, and that, that eventually led on this path to where we are now. So was it some, when you were both doing your, you know, your individual sort of um, entertaining stuff that you're doing, were you extremely good marketers and that's how this all came about or how well, did it? Yeah. One of the toughest things I think for a lot of entertainers is even then it's very crowded. It's like, how do you sell something which is so commoditized of this year, they're going to have you at their conference, but next year they're not going to book you again regardless mm-hmm. of how good you are because every year they've got this expectation that you that they're going to have a different entertainer so you ha- you're on a constant treadmill of brand new lead generation and that and the lifetime customer value is pretty much what you get on that first transaction so i personally mm-hmm. had to end up being pretty good at the marketing thing and funny enough I, a lot of friends who are entertainers started coming to me and saying hey how are you doing this how are you so busy why how are you doing 150 shows in, in corporates a year 
And I ended up actually one of my, my, my actual online business was a coaching program and a membership website, which helps other entertainers to build their businesses. Because hmm. most of us get into doing what we do because we love doing what we do. We don't get into it beca- to become a marketer or to become a finance person or to be a lead generator or whatever it's going to be. So hmm. that's what I, I, my other passion is sharing that with other entertainers. So that's how I sort of began I was probably, mine. Yeah, I wasn't a naturally particularly good marketer. Like or I entertainer. <laughs> I was. I enjoyed doing my show, but I wasn't particularly good at marketing. I stumbled into it because I realized that there's this huge ability to package and sell information. And the guy who trained me in hypnosis had loads of products that he used to sell on DVD. But obviously, that's loads and loads of work shipping it across to you know tropical sands on the other side of the world on DVDs and VHS even before that. Um, and so I saw an opportunity to take what he was doing and then practice some of these marketing skills I was starting to learn. But actually, it took loads of hard work to sort of suss out mm. how that thing works. How do you write copy that's compelling? How do you actually generate a sale? So for me, it was actually a lot of very hard work to get to that point. And a lot um, of that's around reputation. Like one of the things you have to do in entertainment is build up a really good expect, a really good reputation around people. And that's about really good above and beyond. Like the amount of entertainers I couldn't believe don't even... I mean, one of the things I'm obsessed with is after every gig, I'll write a handwritten card out and send out a card of thanks saying, hey, thank you for, thank you for booking me for that event. Or mm. I have a cool thing. I use a thing called TouchNote, which is an app for my, for my phone, which basically mm-hmm. I, take a, I take a selfie with, with the, the person who's booked me when I'm at the event. And then afterwards, on my way out of the event, I can take that selfie and turn it into a postcard with a personalized note on the back. And that gets sent to them within like three days. And the mm. impact that kind of thing has on people. And it costs almost nothing. Like two or three mm. quid, almost nothing. And the impact it has on people. And I've had referred gigs from that when people say, oh, what's that photo on your desk? Or what's that photo on your, on your mantelpiece at home of you mm. and this weird guy who looks a bit like a Iridian or Jedward tribute act? Uh, then <laughs> then I've, got, I've actually had referrals from that. So I think going above and beyond and doing that, is a really great marketing technique anyway, which I'm sure you and everybody else has listened to this is already on board with. I mean, I know that most mm. of the listeners to this probably aren't entertainers and looking for ways to grow their entertainment business, but I think there's lessons to be pulled out of this. And I think there's some simple things. Like, for example, there's lo- Rewind a few years, and there were loads of entertainers who we sort of knew from our spheres or knew of who were sort of positioning themselves as if they had like managers because they saw that as that they were trying to sort of position themselves with this celebrity branding where they Mm. were very distant you can't get in touch with me you'll have to get in touch with their manager and the manager was their mate dave or it was them with a different email address them with a different email address whereas actually i was used to to get in touch you'll probably hear from one of us as part of the sales process of selling you our services because we're the best at Mm. selling it because we know what we do better than anyone and they're buying into you like if you're supposed to be this person in this sort of castle that nobody can really get to well the truth is that's not what people are hiring people these days the really great way of breaking through is to Mm. create the that 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 presence of people because we're no longer in a world where we do b2b i think this idea of b2b sales is kind of not really a thing anymore we're now doing h to h we're now doing human to human communication and if we can just do that by helping people out then then we end up with like a better world we end up with better business we end up with better relationships and the value of the lo- those relationships will prove themselves have we gone anywhere near the answer to your question I, I think you have. And, I, and one of the things I was thinking as you were just talking, because the, the entertainment world is so competitive and it's actually a world I know very well because I was in it for a number of years. What did you um, do? As a, I was a DJ and I, 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 I was a club DJ around the world for, for quite a long time. 
And, and it is so competitive. It's probably has given you an advantage because you had to really, as you say, differentiate, differentiate yourself and stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the only difference I had was the hair and the fact I could read people's minds, but how many other people could, could do the hair differently or could, you know, other mind readers or other hypnotists, like you do have to work an extra bit and go that extra mile. Hmm. And so, I mean, before we were talking about some of the stuff that you do now and you're approaching marketing in a slightly different way, and you're also creating your own software, for example, I mean, tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah. So what's really interesting is we believe that marketing is really about, I mean, marketing very simply is understanding what people want or getting them to figure out what they want. And then saying, we might have a solution for you. And then sales comes along and says, the solution we have is something you really want and you should buy it now. And what happens for a lot of people is they go around and they try and figure out and they struggle the most with trying to figure out who are the people who need my help and do and which version of my help or how do I package up the, the way that I help people in a way that's most accessible to you. So, for example, if I help people to, I don't know, do get, get new leads, if I was a marketing coach, which I'm not, but if I was a marketing coach, I could deliver that service in many different ways. I could do that as a one-to-one coaching program, and that would be suitable for some people. Some people might love that. I would hate that. Mm. I'm not really into Mm. that. Whereas some people might like to receive that as a video training, and Mm. they could do it at their own pace. That's great. Some people might have a higher budget or a lower budget. Some people might want to do that now, might want to do it later. And by understanding all these questions in a way that helps you identify the best route for that person, the best medium for this person, and all those sorts of things, we can actually do better relationship building with them. And we can also like say to them, how do you want to learn this? When do you want to learn this? And give them the best route for them. The big problem in marketing, and there's that old saying, isn't there? Like, marketers break everything, is what they say. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we come along, we get Facebook, it's built for social media. What happened? Everybody plows in there. And before three weeks after Facebook was born, there was like 62 marketers with a course on how to make a million quid on, on Facebook. That's mm-hmm. the way it works. That, with Pinterest, it happens with absolutely everything. And what that means is usually it ends up with what we call blanket marketing, where everybody sends out just blanket messages saying, hey, do you want to buy this thing? Hey, do you want to buy this thing? And for 99% of the people who are receiving that message, the answer is, no, I don't. No, thanks a lot. It's not for me. Which is why conversion rates are what people consider to be industry average. If you actually take a step back and you go, what, 93% of people who land on my sales page are choosing not to buy the thing. Like that's when, terrible. You, when you look at it, that's actually really bad. But it's because sort of, you know, I'm making the numbers up. But these numbers that we hear all the time are considered average, even though they're actually, if, if an alien came down from a foreign planet and had a look at it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem like, you know, all was sandy in paradise, would it? It would look like everything was all a bit weird and a little bit like, oh, mm. that, that number seems very low to me. Which is why we came up mm-hmm. with this idea of response week by actually saying, you know, why don't we run surveys which have the ability to connect with marketing systems, which we thought already existed. Turns out they don't. So we had to create one. That's why we built the business response suite. And why don't we create it so that our, our surveys will connect with our marketing systems like Infusionsoft and all that sort of um, Aweber and all those sort of good things that people use to actually inform the marketing and take people down a almost choose your own adventure story of marketing. You know, those little those books you used to get was goosebumps when I was a kid where you used to flick through the page, flick through the book and it would say, if you think the little boy turned left, turn to page 27. If you think you turned right, turn to page 42. And they would choose their mm-hmm. own adventure. Look at the way that we, look at the way we consume television now. 
Yeah, I mean, with Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, every somebody will ring you and say, "Oh, you know, your your dad would ring you and say, oh, did you did you watch that thing on BBC the other day?'" And the answer most of the time is is no, because you're going to watch the program you want to watch when you want to watch it, whether that's on Netflix or on iPlayer or on you know, on these on demand services. Which means that mm-hmm. regular television, cable satellite television around the world, is struggling to keep up with this on demand. Drop my pen there with this on demand TV thing, and so I think mm-hmm. it's really really important that we create the ability for people to navigate their way through our marketing in a way that makes most sense to them because that's going to give them a better experience and it's going to help to make you more money with much, much less friction and resistance. People say that getting open, open rates on email is like they're getting lower and lower and lower and people don't open email anymore. The truth is, the only reason we don't open emails is because we're receiving irrelevant emails. If you're sending me an email every single day about how I can make my hair better or why why I want to go and see XYZ musical in the West End next time I'm in, I'm in London or something I'm genuinely interested in, I'm never going to unsubscribe. I'm never going to not open your email if you're giving me valuable content. Whereas my mm. expectation as a person, as soon as I get on your mailing list, is you're probably going to send me a load of rubbish that I'm not mm. that interested in. So how how do you do it differently? So say so someone signs up as a client with you now, yeah. and they're they're used to as you say the ninety three percent of people that don't don't uh, respond to them and so on. What is it you do differently for them? So before I tell you what we do differently, I think the first thing is to st- take a step back and say, well, how can somebody, how can, you know, if you don't have a software platform that's a survey thing, how do you take this and apply it to you? The first question is we force ourselves to always ask the question, what else could this look like? So for example, you might say, well, somebody lands on your website, they scroll down, they think it sounds great. So they click the order button, they put their credit card details in, they hit the button and then it logs them into their account. Great. That's how software works. And therefore that's what this will do. So the first thing you do is you take a step back and you say, well, is that how that has to happen? Or is there a different way of doing it? Let's imagine that that this never happened before and we were inventing it. What would happen? Now, Mm. sometimes you'll go, no, that's absolutely the best way it can be done. We've explored all possible avenues. They've been doing that the right way. Let's stick with that. But sometimes you'll stop and think, well, why is that the case? Why wouldn't it be more efficient for everyone involved? Uh, or at least for the customer, maybe not for us, but definitely for the customer, if we did it this way. So what did that lead us to? Well, it led us to looking at other software platforms where they might charge, not specifically survey platforms, but other software in general, where they might charge you $2,000 as a sort of what's become trendily known as the kickstart fee, which is basically some time for someone on their team to sit down with you on a call and help to build stuff out. And we thought, well... At the minute, like we, we would like, we prefer to know our customers individually and know what they do. So rather than being customer three, four, seven, seven, nine, we'd like to kind of know a bit more about their business as founders mm. of the company. So actually, let's just make sure we speak to every customer who wants it. You know, if some customers don't want it, that's fine. But it, let's speak to every customer who wants us to on a call and help them to build this out because they're going to get better results if the thing, because we designed the software with, a, with an intention and with a purpose. And therefore, after running hundreds of thousands of surveys, we know what works and what doesn't work. We know what's going to get them the best results. After spending 16 years in doing email marketing, we know what's going to work in conjunction with the survey and what's not. So we want to, we want to help them to do that so they get the best results. So it would be crazy to try and charge that to them or sell it to them as an extra because fundamentally we want them to hang around, we want them to have better experience, we want them to be able to use the software in the most effective way possible. And of course, by doing those meetings, by also just 
going above and beyond there, we get to understand our customers better so we can start predicting where our customers are going to go next, what are they going to need, what can we be developing, because we develop the whole thing right here in the northeast of England. So our team are right here, so we can make those adjustments in real time where somebody, we're sitting down, sitting down with somebody across the table, building a campaign, and then we can go, wouldn't it be good if it did this? And then within the next month or a couple of weeks or a couple of days, depending on the, the thing, it can be doing that, so we can actually move towards the customers and give them. I mean, and, and we don't even, and we don't charge our customers for go, for us to go. Oh, actually, it could really do with doing this. And we go, okay, well, how do we add that to development plan? We don't now start mm-hmm. saying to people, right, well, we need to charge you extra for that. We need to charge you extra for that. In general, of course, if it's truly bespoke, yeah, we can look at bespoke plans. But if we know that's going to be of use to other customers, that's included too. We think that's really important as we go forward. I suppose it comes from a place of we look at it, we take a step back and say, what is our job within Response Suite? What is it that we are actually supposed to be doing? Well, we're not coders. Like, we don't know anything about the tech side of it. So our job isn't to code it. We have a developer who does that stuff. Great. In-house. So we so hours. You don't about Yours and mine, Rob. Yeah, yours and mm. mine. Yeah. In-house, obviously, we have a developer. Mine and Kennedy's personal kind of expertise is not in that. Likewise, mm. we like to hire people who are smarter and better at us at the stuff we can do. So we hired Grace to take on the role of all of our content marketing stuff because that's her bag and she did a great job and of showing us how... She can bring in waves of that stuff. Exactly. So, and, and, you know, equally, our job isn't customer support. We're not going to sit and answer people's questions unless we have to because, again, that's not what we're best at. We're not trained to do customer support. So we want to hire people who are better at those individual bits than us. So apart mm from putting the kettle on and making cups of tea and making the staff feel good and making sure everyone gets paid and the office is here and all the rest of it what is our job as the founders of the company as the directors of the company it's just to look gorgeous well no no (laughs) Uh, it's not that sadly our job basically is to make sure in my opinion that our customers have the best possible experience that they everything works really really well for them so what is there any better any better use of our time than to sit on a call and actually help other customers do the thing we created the software platform for and i think the big thing for me in that is just don't don't pop yourself don't pop yourself on a pedestal at any point as the entrepreneur and the founder and try and put too much distance between you and the customers there has to be processes mm. in place and there has to be some level of you know communication um channel but at the same time mm. like just don't be afraid to talk to your customers and help them to implement the thing because they're they're going to hang around way longer Shall I answer this question now? <laughs> well, that was one of the things we're doing to exceed expectations. <laughs> Shall I? Basically, in terms of how response we helps people do that mm. and how it actually goes above and beyond, shall we talk about that? If you want to. All right, cool. So, what, because your, what was your question again, Tony? Can I want to make sure we go back and so answer that? I think you're asking what do we do in response suite to give our customers a better experience, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. So we, yeah. we build everything out with every customer is our, is our very first starting point. It, as long as they want that, which most customers do. Uh, there's a handful who are just like, they, they log in, but, but, but before we've even seen the sales come in, they've created their first server and they're off. But for the most part, we will try our very, very best to get, in fact, in the last few days, we had a customer join who lives a seven minute walk away from our office, it turned out. Uh, and they got in touch and we said, well, listen, just come in and, and we're going to do it all in the office tomorrow. So like, I think that's, 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 you know, the next step is we just, as soon as we found out we've got a customer who lives seven minutes i mean come in if you if you want to travel for a few hours you know feel free to come into the office so i suppose for, for me it's all about us yeah like like i said there's a long way of saying us building out their campaigns mm. and what what type of clients are you working with is it like very small companies or is it a mixture of big and small in any particular industries so we don't go after enterprise level because the, we found the buying cycle and the buying process is something that none of us in the business right now are experienced in so let's not go in there and look foolish or more foolish than we already do. 
Kennedy and I have never had a job, so we've never worked in a company, so we don't know what <laughs> you know purchase orders are, or like it's just not a world that we're from. So yeah, I've we never just, seen a P forty five, although I feel I might be seeing one soon. So, yeah, I mean, for for us, um, I've forgotten the question. My brain just absolutely fried. Then, so uh, the kind of business we're going after, not oh, yeah. enterprise for that reason, but at the same time, not not like tiny tiny startup micro haven't made their first sale businesses yet either. Just because, mm. in order to get the best value out of what we do, and again, it's just a case of sitting back and saying, okay, great, what do we actually do, and who can we help? The people we mm. can really help are people who already have customers, and they want to turn those customers into more customers. So, what does that really mm. mean? Well, in order to really over deliver to custom to our to our customers, they need to have customers customers already otherwise they're not going to get they're going to struggle so we just want to go after people who've got a, a decent business so they're sort of on the the sort of the started they've already started micro and small yeah, they've, businesses they probably turn over about 100 grand they sort of got a solid base they know what they're doing they're not still running around going oh where do i find a customer how do i pay the bills oh my goodness i don't even know what i do what are my products i'm still developing products oh my goodness oh my goodness they're now going okay i'm doing well but what i need is some better systems yeah I need to turn the, the customers I've got into repeat customers or into referrals. And where generally do people find out about you? Um, lovely podcast hosted by handsome people, most <laughs> <laughs> That. Um, and yeah, I mean, our affiliates is, is probably one of our big drivers right now, our affiliate program. We do program. quite a bit of speaking on stages at events around the world that we keep getting invited to do. We have our own podcast, Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. We, we get a bit of traction from that. It's very much about, it's about having a real marketing mix for us. So it's about lots of different channels. And we have a lot, actually, if we really look at the numbers, we have a lot of referred work. So people telling their friends, their colleagues, hey, why are you not using this? Why are you using this thing instead? Because a lot of people are running surveys, because we all know we should be running surveys in our business to collect feedback. But when we say to them, or when we're able to get in front of them and say, hey, what are you doing with that data once you collect it? And they kind of go, oh, nothing. I'm just sort of looking at it every, every now and again. And you go, oh, right, what, what could you be doing it, with it? And, and what's the value of being able to action or automatically trigger something to happen in your marketing systems with that? The, the moment of realization where their eyes pop out of their heads and they go, goodness, I could be doing something with that, it is, very, is, very, is really surprising and really exciting for us. So that moment is very, is very interesting. So, yeah, a lot of referrals, a lot of uh, yeah, personal relationships. We do face-to-face selling a little bit. We've even started doing, drumroll, local business networking. <gasps> And, sure. uh, and that's really, really great. It's actually really enjoyable and a massive thing uh, that has really helped us actually is going to like expos, exhibiting at expos and trade shows and going to local business networking events is what happens is I've, we found out about objections from customers that we would never have known about had they just landed on our sales page. Like we know our, we know our customers pretty well and we know the service very well and we know the software and we know what it's, what it delivers. But actually when somebody just lands on our sales page and you know, we, they scroll down and they have a read and they scroll back up and we use Hotjar to like record every, every visitor's session. So we kind of see what people are doing on a, on a granular scale. Mm. People are kind of looking up and down the page, but we can sort of see a bit, we, we can't really tell what, why, if somebody leaves, we can't really tell what was it they saw that, that made them leave. But we're chatting to somebody face to face and they say, oh, well, that sounds like it's only for really, really big businesses. I'm like, ah, okay. So something I've said here has totally helped you to misunderstand what it is that we're doing. <laughs> now we yeah. can go back to our marketing and say, okay, great. And again, that, I think that helps you to over deliver to people who are not customers yet as well in terms of really making sure they understand the point of, of why you're there. What's really interesting when we were think, you know, when we're talking about this show and coming on and talking about expectations is how expectations shift and move and Mm. one of the things that's 
interesting is to not just look at exceeding expectations in terms of going above and beyond, but looking at what the expectations are of customers like, oh, this response suite thing sounds fantastic, but it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like I'm going to have to write a load of emails or create a load of landing page to send people to because once they fill in my survey, I'm going to take them to a different thank you page to offer them the perfect thing based on what they said they wanted in the survey. That sounds like loads of work, Kennedy, or loads of work, Rob. And by understanding that, that's why we said, you know what? This onboarding session during the 14-day free is critical to the success of going beyond that, that, that negative expectation somebody might have and overcoming that objection and saying, do you know what it is? We understand that. And what we'll do is we'll give up our time and invest in you to make this happen and work with you. So one of the big things people do comment on that's absolutely lovely is they expect us when we build their campaign with them to only build the stuff that's in response week, to help them build their survey and sort out their integration and make it look pretty. No, no, we don't do that. We've been around email marketing for a long time. So we, are, we know the ins and outs of a lot of the email marketing systems from Infusionsoft to MailChimp and everything in between. So we actually dive into those systems with them and literally get the whole campaign set up. It's not just about getting the survey end of it set up because we know that if they just get the survey bit set up and it's not integrated with their business, well, that's going to be tricky too for them. That's another hurdle for them to get over. That's going to get in the way of them becoming successful. And if they're not successful, then neither are we. So it's about creating that collaboration and making sure we go beyond just our bit and go actually into their business. And it's easy to do. Whatever it is that you do in your business, it's easy to just, again, take a step back and say, okay, great. What are the other things that I can do that will help people to really understand how to get better results? So for example, in our case, to follow on from what Kennedy said, that means, okay, great. How do we become really well-versed in the other tools that people are likely to use in conjunction with Response Suite? So how do we become really well-versed in Infusionsoft, Aweber, GetResponse, Drip, you know, all of these email marketing platforms and CRMs mm-hmm. and stuff because then we can do a much better job in helping them understand that. So we've had customers who may have maybe signed up for like an Infusionsoft account. Okay, and when you first get in, that's quite big and there's lots of stuff and it's everywhere and you sort of have to work out what to do with it. So we've had a, mm-hmm. um, an onboarding call for somebody who bought Response Suite, came on board, wanted us to use it, wanted to use it in conjunction with their Infusionsoft account, but actually he didn't really know what tags were or where stuff was or any of that stuff. And we're quite useful then because we can then give them a little bit of an extra thing. So like we spoke to an estate agent recently who's joined Response Suite and his thing is he wants to sell and buy houses for people. Great. But then beyond that, when somebody's bought a ha- when somebody's bought a house through him, he wants to then become an ongoing service provider. So he said, "I want to make sure that when they go on holiday, they give us a call, and we'll make sure that we send somebody around to whatever it was going to be. You know, check on the security of the house. Or like he's got much bigger ideas beyond what the mm. uh, beyond just buying and selling a house. How can I over deliver? So I think the easy question to ask yourself is, what are the other things that I can become versed in, whether that's gardening or whether that's email marketing, that's going to help people with the thing that they're purchasing from me and that's what we try to do with all of our stuff that's kind of how you how you go that extra little mile quite easily and as far as i mean you've mentioned a couple of times about surveys and uh, most do you find that most people use surveys in the most effective way and are you kind of coaching people in in a way to to make them use surveys much more efficiently or effectively yes as part of that onboarding session what we we talk about is what are the questions you need to ask we we actually we were interviewed for something just yesterday on on a podcast on another podcast and um the guy was asking about what about required questions versus not required questions? And the hmm. and, and for me, if you think the answer is not required, you probably don't need to ask the question. 
The mm. reason that people don't complete surveys and you don't get the completion rates that you're looking for is usually because there are too many questions or the, and the types of questions you're asking are too difficult and require too much thought to complete. So mm. we found in, our, in, our, in looking at all of our numbers in terms of what our customers are doing, as soon as you hit six questions in a survey, your completion rate is going to drop off a cliff. Now, mm. it's, not always avoid, it's not always an avoidable situation. So you can't always do everything you need to do within six questions. Mm. But if you can, do. So you really want to ask, what did you think of what we just did? What did you think of the way it was delivered? What do you want to learn in the future? And then use that, that piece of information about what they want to learn in the future to now power your marketing of the next piece of the process. Mm. And what do you have any sort of an ideal type of client or an ideal industry that you work best with? I suppose it's anyone. And again, because you always want to make sure that you you kind of pick the customer that you're going to be able to give the biggest value benefit to. So for us, that's somebody who has like quite a broad range of products. So like they have they have quite a like a, a broad uh, so, for example, if you let's imagine we were talking to a printer the other day, and the printer has on uh, some printers have like two thousand product lines, two thousand mm. product lines. That's, and a, think, that's a lot of things you get your face printed on. So we said, yeah. So we said, so somebody comes in, they they order some business cards, and they do that because you're the cheapest. Okay, great. Uh, because they, they were price hunting on the internet, so they sign up and they get their business cards, and everyone's a winner. But at that point, they now go off, and the next time they need print, which might be a day later, it might be a month later, it might be five years later, they're going to go back around. They'll have forgotten who you are, and they'll now be price price hunting for other people to get mm. the cheapest source of flyers at the time that kind of thing and so the mm. problem with that is that the way that most businesses operate is they get in a customer and then that customer gets put into their you know daily weekly monthly hourly minutely whatever newsletter that is kind mm. of you know the award you've just won and it's that you know the, the new product and you've got a special offer on chairs this this week and and that's really all it does and so for us it's any customer who has quite a broad product range it doesn't have to be two thousand it could be three or four or five they have a product range as opposed to a thing that they deliver and they deliver mm-hmm. it in a different way to different people because the minute you get into that realm you're now in a, you're now in a business where you can't just get a big bucket of customers and just blanket broadcast to them all in exactly the same way hmm. what what are your both of your um views on over delivering on exceeding expectations it's a terrible idea. You should just go home. <laughs> I think it is. It isn't a thing that some businesses should do, and that they're going to just win the race. Like it's essential. Like if you're not going to, if you're not going to, if you, in fact, we recently sort of redid our whole strategy piece at Response Suite, like our big picture five year vision. And one of the big things we did as part of that was to say, okay, what are our values as a company? And three of them, three of the values as a company, were were related to, in some respect, over delivering and exceeding expectations. Every th- three of those things were all to do with how do we make sure every customer goes away and says, wow, I, had a, I didn't just have a great experience. I had a phenomenal, remarkable, truly remarkable experience. I want to tell you a little story, if that's all right, about when I first moved into the city center of Newcastle. And I, I, when, when, I, when I talk about you, but every time I move to any new place, and I like to try lots of new houses. I'm one of those people who likes to move all the time and try different, different apartments and different houses. And one of the first things I ever do when I, when I move into a new city or a new town is I have to try out all the local takeaway food. And mm-hmm. so I, I was hunting out for really good curry. So I look through like whatever app I was using and I find this local curry place. I order this curry and I order a chicken tikka masala and a kima naan bread. And that's what I'm going to have. So that's great. So I order it for delivery. An hour goes by, there's a knock at my door, and there's a guy there, he hands me this little bag, 
and I give him my money. I go inside. I open. I look down inside the bag, and I see, I take out my chicken tikka masala. I take out my kima naan bread, and there's a little box, an extra little box, a little foil container in the bottom of the bag, and it has handwritten on the top of it the word surprise, handwritten in red pen, the little smiley face. I thought, well, that's cute, isn't it? And I open it up, and that was the very first time I had a chicken pakora. Hmm. The next time I ordered from that same place, and I did the same thing, I went to the same place again, I ordered a chicken tikka masala, a kima naan bread, and a portion of chicken pakora. Hmm. An hour later, the, order, the guy knocks at my door, I open the bag, and it's got a chicken tikka masala in, I take that out, it's got a kima naan bread in, take that out, it's got a chicken pakora in, I take it out. There's a little foil container with handwritten note that says, surprise, in red, and a little smiley face. And that was the first time I tried an onion bhaji. So the next Friday, I call up the Indian takeaway and I order a chicken tikka masala. And you see how this is going. This is basically, yeah. I didn't even try another Indian takeaway place in my city ever. I increased how much I spend. So my cart value as a customer it has increased. And obviously my, my loyalty is right there. And you don't feel bad about it at all. I don't feel bad about it. Mm. I feel like this is great because they give me free stuff. I don't feel like I was being sold to. So not only did they mm. increase my loyalty and do I feel great about it? Like, and I'm still, this was like 10 years ago and I'm still talking mm. about it. The only reason I don't go there anymore is because I live too far away to make it, to make it back mm. and still have the hot food. But also the commercial impact of that is immense in that my, my order value increases. And these days, mm. because of companies like Apple and others like that, we expect people to go above and beyond and to mm. have that additional level of service or that experience, whatever that's going to be, don't we? Hmm. It's um, it's a great it's a great example, and it's it also um, really highlights the fact that I'm talking to Brits because we're talking about curries. If I was talking to Americans, we'd never be talking about curries on, the, <laughs> no, on this podcast. What are we talking about? What if it would be waffles? <laughs> waffles, waffles, or tacos? They love they love taco. Taco, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, listen, guys, before we finish, what? Where, if people want to find out more about you and Response Suite and what you do, where, where would they go to? We've actually put together a really cool special deal just for listeners of the podcast. So um, here's how it works. The first thing you're going to get is a 14-day free trial. That's, that's standard. That's what you get. But don't just go to responsesuite.com and sign up because you'll not get the rest of it. And of course, you are going to get this onboarding call we've talked about. You know, we're going to jump on a call with you and help build the whole campaign out if you want that. You're welcome to say no, but we'd like to talk to you and find out what you're doing. So that's the second bit. On top of that, we also have a, a four-part training program we ran called the Survey Marketing Masterclass. And I guess it's really eight different campaigns that you can use to use surveys because this is all about delivering a great customer experience for every customer that you've got, but also doing it in a way that's going to increase your sales and increase your like. Uh, customer lifetime value and stuff so uh, mm. we want to give you that free i think it was 497 dollars when we ran it but uh, we're going to include that for free and when, you, when you get instant access to that just for taking the 14 day free trial so yeah you, you get that That's but to fine. get mm. it don't go to responsesuite.com instead you want to go to response suite deal.com that's s-u-i-t-e response suite deal.com forward slash exceeding response suite deal.com forward slash exceeding and that is where you will get that particular deal before we do go tony i've got a little confession to make mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds <laughs> ominous doesn't it so rob and i had a little second secret agenda during this session which we didn't tell you about in advance and i'm wondering if either you or your listeners picked up on it we decided to set ourselves like a little subconscious subtle theme for this episode so we mm-hmm. wove in a theme 
which has got nothing to do with surveys or exceeding expectations or customer or service. Or business or anything. Anything like that. But there is a theme that we use to use as metaphors throughout this, as, and we sprinkled it throughout. And anybody who can guess it, we'll sort out some kind of cool prize. I don't know what it's going to be yet. We just sort of made this up. But tweet us at Response Week with what you think that theme was. So, for example, if the theme was frogs, we might have said, oh, and it made us hopping mad. It wasn't frogs, and we didn't say hopping mad, but you get the idea of what we're doing. Fair enough. Intriguing. We'll see what kind of response you get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, well, it's been, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And um, I mean, this, uh, the software you've created sounds amazing, or the platform you've created sounds amazing. Thank you. So, Thanks very much. Yeah, so best of luck with that for the future. And, and also, Thank you. And just before we finish, because you, you, you kind of touched upon your podcast, just tell, tell people a little bit more about your podcast as well. Every single week, we, Rob and I speak to another world-class marketer and we interview them, play silly games with them. It's not half as professional as this one. So if, uh, if, you, if, you, if you want some professional, um, this is the one for you. But um, it's called Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Fantastic. Okay, guys, well, best of luck for the future and um, see you again sometime. Thanks, Tony. Next week is episode 49 with Bill Cates, who runs a company called referralcoach.com. And he helps people uh, create, just get lots more referrals, essentially. Uh, he's written three books. Um, we're you know, talking all around those sorts of topics. And he tells that he's got some great ideas about how you're able to get better referrals and also about um, writing books as well. He's, uh, he's built and sold two publishing companies, so he knows quite a lot about the publishing world. So that's next week's episode with Bill Cates. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with people who you think may find it of value and hope you have a great week. See you next week. Thank you.